This week I found myself drawn to uh, this, this second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And some, sometimes I found, a lot of times, I guess, I found when I'm, when I'm reading the letters of St. Paul, the, the best way to do that is to do it just very slowly, right? Because Paul, if you've ever tried to read any of his letters, so like Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, etc. If you've ever tried to read those, like you'll find that uh, Paul writes a lot of really long sentences, uh, really long sentences. And in fact, our reading that we have this morning um, is, is three sentences long. There's one sentence, the first one that's, you know, maybe like a, a normal size sentence. And then the second one is like very, very long. It's, it's something like, like 10 lines or something. Uh, which is just, it's a lot, right? And if, if he was in grade school, he would, he would get correct, you know, uh, red marks all over his paper for having run-on sentences and, and all these kinds of things. And then after that, there's like another normal size sentence. So I think, I think within those three sentences, we can kind of break the whole reading up into two parts because there's, there's the first part of, of the reading is a prayer, actually, that he's praying for the Ephesians. And then the second part is, is that he's revealing something about God, or, or we could maybe say he's, he's boasting about something about God. Uh, so, so I think the boasting actually kind of highlights a little bit about, about the first part, but let's try to just sort of slowly walk through this. So St. Paul's writing to the Ephesians, as is mentioned. So the, 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 as I understand it, the letter to the Ephesians is one of the only letters, or maybe the only letter that Paul writes, where he's not writing to correct something. Um, so in, in a number of his letters, he's, he's writing to correct something that he's heard about what's going on in the community in Galatia or in Rome or in Corinth, something like that. Uh, but, but with the letter to the Ephesians, as, as far as Paul knows, there's, there's, nothing, there's no major problems going on within the Christian community at Ephesus. So there's nothing. So what he's doing is he's, just, he's writing a letter to them simply because he wants, he wants to be with them. He can't be with them, so he's writing a letter to, to talk to them about how, how proud he is of them as their spiritual father. Because they've received the faith and, and they've, they've continued to grow in it. In fact, um, so our reading Ephesians chapter 1, it begins in verse 17, verses 15 and 16, St. Paul says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then that's where our prayer begins. So, so this is sort of flowing within a, a thought, uh, uh, maybe a disposition of Paul, of, of gratitude for, for the way that the people have received the faith that he gave to them and, and how they continue to press on in that faith. They're remaining faithful to Jesus. And so then he adds this prayer uh, that they would basically, that they would continue to press on. So let's, let's sort of walk through this. Uh, here's this first sentence. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, right? So he's asking, may God do something for you. May he give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation resulting in knowledge of him. He's asking for this for the Lord to give them a spirit of wisdom. Well, what is, what is wisdom? I think wisdom is one of those words that, that we in our minds can understand, like, okay, I know that that's a good thing and I want to be wise, but I think if we were to ask ourselves what is wisdom, we might end up with a variety of definitions. So I, I think uh, uh, um, 
we, we could look at it from this biblical perspective, or, or maybe not even a biblical perspective, but, but generally speaking, what is wisdom? Wisdom is a proper ordering of things, right? If I am wise, I'm able to look at a whole set of things, maybe all the circumstances of my life or all of the possibilities of my life, and a wise person is able to order those things appropriately. So an example, let's say, let's say a person, uh, little boy is growing up and he wants to be a professional football player when he gets older, right? This is something that many little boys desire to do, to be a professional football player. Now, if that little boy is wise, as he grows older, he will have in his mind always the final goal to be a professional football player. And he will know that to be a professional football player, you have to be skilled, you have to understand the game of football. You have to be in incredible shape. And you have to be just overall healthy, right? Um, so, so as he's growing up, if he has football, being a professional football player in his mind all the time, and if he is wise, he's going to order all of the possible things that he could do with his life according to that final goal. There are going to be many opportunities that that boy has as he's growing up uh, and in boyhood, in adolescence, as a teenager, etc., there are going to be many opportunities that that boy has to eat a whole bunch of junk food. Many opportunities for him as he grows older to, to drink a whole bunch of things that are maybe not super good for him uh, in terms of being incredibly healthy and in shape. And so if he is wise, he's going to learn, okay, I can say no to this thing because I need to make sure my body is in its peak condition. There are going to be many opportunities that that boy has um, to, to sleep in in the morning or to sit on the couch all day and watch TV or play video games. But if he's wise and he has football on his mind, he's going to know, okay, maybe there's a place for those kinds of things, but I know that I need to like, I need to be in shape and I need to exercise and I need to, I need to practice my football skills. And so I can't actually give all of my time to these things over here because they're not going to be helpful for me. And so I need to choose the things in wisdom. I need to choose the things that are going to help me attain my goal of being a professional football player. That's, that's a wise person, right? So now, now St. Paul is asking for, for the Lord to give to the Ephesians this gift of wisdom. And maybe we could say he's actually praying for us to receive the same gift of wisdom. But our goal, our goal is not to be professional football players, right? Many of us, all of us are past those years, right? Like, that's a dream that we had to let go a long time ago. But what is the wisdom? What is the end goal that, that Paul has and ultimately that God has for us? Is that in wisdom, we would have as our end goal, nothing short of heaven, nothing short of eternity. And so as we ask the Lord to give us this gift of wisdom, and not just the gift of wisdom, but also revelation resulting in knowledge of him, that is to say that we want God to make himself known to us, and not just himself, but he wants to, we want him to make known to us the way to the final goal. So that as we come to know God more and more and more, and we come to know his ways more and more and more, then we can act as wise men and women Choosing those things that are only going to be helpful for us to reach the final goal and seeing in wisdom 
seeing those things that are actually going to be hindrances to us, that will actually prevent us from reaching the final goal just for that boy, right? If he eats too much junk food, then he's never going to be able to attain his goal of being a professional football player. So for us as Catholic Christians, there are many opportunities that the world offers to us Sometimes the people closest to us, family and friends, many things that they offer to us that are really nothing more than spiritual junk food. That if we take them, they're actually going to prevent us from reaching our goal of heaven. And so St. Paul is making this prayer like, may God give you, and you gotta, I think, I think I've, I've come to know this more, or come to believe this more and more. We don't know for sure the tone of Paul's voice when he's writing these letters. But in my mind, I, I hear a, a, a bit of energy, maybe, or a, a bit of urgency of like, God, you've got to give us this gift. Like, he, like, Lord, you've got to give us this revelation so that we can come to know your ways and then that we can be wise to, to like, eagerly set aside those things that are not helpful for us and eagerly strain forward, he writes to the Philippians, straining forward to the goal, the upward prize, the upward calling of God's love for us. Like, Lord, you gotta give, right? So like, as we hear this prayer for the Ephesians, it's, it's like, Lord, I, I need that prayer. I, I need that gift, Lord. Make me wise. Make me know your ways so that I can so that I can run after it in wisdom and in knowledge, right? Don't let me be like the foolish ones who, who just fill themselves up with junk food, who just fill themselves up with, with laziness, sitting on their spiritual couches and, and lounging around, but instead, Lord, make me active. Let me, let me have a desire in wisdom and in knowledge of you to, to, to be in shape spiritually, to, to run after you so that I don't, I don't actually get tired because I'm constantly growing in my training of following your son Jesus and following his ways and keeping your commandments so that, so that I can grow in my training, I can grow in my endurance, and I can persist to the end goal, which is when I cross that end goal, like it's all, and this is, this is maybe the second part, and that was a very long part to get to the second part here, but, but right, but like, may the eyes of your hearts be enlightened that you may know what is the hope that belongs to his call. In other words, Paul is saying, may you be able to see clearly what exactly is that end goal. Because sometimes I think, I think that we can think that heaven is going to be just like an extension of this life. And so for, for maybe for, for, for some of us, maybe for many of us, when we think about heaven as just like continuing on with, with what we experience here and now, right? When we talk about this, well, he's bowling with God now, or he's fishing with God now. No, that's not at all what heaven is like. That's not at all, like, because who wants just another extension of this? Especially for people who suffer a lot, right? I've got, if I've got cancer, who wants heaven to be just an extension of my cancerous life? If I've got problems and relationships in my life, who wants heaven to be just an extension of more problematic? Nobody wants that. And for that matter, God does not want that. And so St. Paul is praying, like, may the Lord give you this gift so that you can not just, like, desire the end goal, but so that you can see it clearly. And what is it in clear sight? What is the goal? What are the riches of glory in his inheritance among the holy ones? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power for us who believe? 
in accord with the exercise of his great might. Like this is, this is it, right? That heaven is not just continuing on with this life, but St. Paul is saying, no, you gotta, like, the Lord's gotta help you to see clearly so that you can understand that your inheritance is nothing less, nothing less than the glory of God himself. That, that the final goal, right? If you can keep your eyes on the final goal and act wisely to attain the final goal, when you cross the threshold, when you cross the finish line, your inheritance is the glory of God. That is your inheritance. And it's nothing less than that. God wants to make you like him. So everything you think about God, how he's perfect and amazing and, and so much bigger than you and so much more amazing than you, everything you could possibly think about God in the best possible ways, that is his goal for your life. That is your inheritance, brothers and sisters. And St. Paul is praying, may you come to know this because when you come to know this, when you come to know this, that puts everything in its proper perspective. For the person who's suffering with, with a, a disease, if I can just stay faithful to Jesus through this disease, through this suffering, I don't even care about it anymore because my inheritance is to be like God. And if I'm going through something in my life that I, that I don't like, if the, if the weather isn't just how I want it to be, I don't care. Because 50 million years from now, when I'm like God, I'm not even going to remember the day that it was raining outside or the day that it was 50 below. I'm not even going to remember the day that, that it was just too hot and I couldn't stand being in the heat. I don't even care about that because my inheritance is so, so amazing. Right? When, when we can have this in, in our vision, right, the long vision, and act wisely according to that, knowing God's ways and remaining faithful to him, then so many things that we can get worked up about in this life, they just don't matter as much. Sure, there's still going to be times of suffering and there's still going to be times of difficulty, absolutely. But again, if we can have in our vision the inheritance, which is the riches of God's glory, I'm willing to endure anything in faithfulness to Jesus. I'm willing to endure persecution. I'm willing to endure disease. I'm willing to endure violence. I'm willing to endure whatever it might be so that I can, in fidelity to Jesus, in faithfulness to him, once I cross that threshold, it's all going to be worth it in the end. It's so amazing. Now, how, how can this happen? How can I do this, right? Because, because I do get caught up in, in things of this world. I do get caught up in suffering and in, in, in bickering or in problematic relationships. I do get caught up in those things. I do get caught up with worrying too much about the sports game, about the Twins or the Vikings. I get too much, like I get caught up in that. So how can I receive from God this wisdom? What can he do for me? This, this is what he can do for you. He can give you his power, right? What is the surpassing greatness of his power for us who believe? 
His power is this, that he worked in Christ, raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every principality, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things beneath his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. This is God's power. This is his might, his strength, that he can even raise up his son Jesus from the dead and raise him up. Right? He just like floated into heaven. How does he do that? He does that by the power of God. And in floating up to heaven and ascending to heaven, what is he doing? He's bringing our human nature already to heaven. This is one of the incredible gifts of the incarnation of Jesus. When God becomes man, he takes on our human nature so that whatever he experiences, we too are now made to experience that. So we can look at the power of God who raises human nature to be higher even than the angels, to be superior even to the angels. So that now what Jesus experiences, we who are baptized, we are what? St. Paul says we are his body. This is something we talk about in the church, how we are the mystical body of Christ. When we profess our creed on Sundays, we talk about how we believe in things visible and invisible. One of the things that are invisible that we believe in is that those who are baptized are now bonded with Christ. We're somehow connected to him. Jesus now who is our head and we are his body. So that where the head goes, those who remain attached to the body, those who remain faithful to Jesus, the body will surely follow after. This is one of the things, and this will be the last thing, this is one of the things I loved about our opening prayer. We asked God, grant, we pray, Almighty God, that we who believe in Jesus, grant that we may in spirit dwell already in heavenly realms. To realize, brothers and sisters, that as you go about your days being faithful to Jesus, following him and keeping his commandments, that, that you can already know that you dwell in heaven How would that change your life? How would that change my life if as we went about our days, the day-to-day things, in wisdom and in knowledge of God, our minds were always aware that there's another life after this one and that that one is so much greater than this one. How would that change you? that if you always had in your mind, this is not actually my home, but my home, my citizenship is in heaven where Jesus Christ, my head, already dwells. And he's just waiting for me to come up to his level. And so the world might offer me all types of opportunities to actually go down to its level The world might offer me all kinds of spiritual junk food and spiritual laziness, but I don't have to, I don't have to partake. But instead, I can keep my eyes and my mind fixed in heavenly realities. And so I get like, 
that would change my life in the best possible way because so many things that bother me now just wouldn't bother me. And so many things that I think are going to satisfy me here and now, I can just, in wisdom, I can just know that they're not going to satisfy me permanently. And so I can just wait. I can just wait and I can press forward toward the prize, the upward calling of God in His Son, Christ Jesus. 